podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. Week six coming interviewed. Two terrific guests coming your way. We're going to lead off in just a moment with ESPN's Jeff Darlington. Delighted. He's coming on the show. Looking forward to getting into all the big stories. And there are plenty of them flying around the league right now. And an old friend of the show, Ben Isaacs, drops by to get all the week six games locked in. We're going to pick them all. We're going to key in in a bit of detail on some of them. So we will get you set for the weekend's action right here on the Nat Coombe Show. And we'll lead off with ESPN's Jeff Darlington. So Ben Isaacs dropping by a little bit later on in the show to get a set for week six. We're going to pick, aim to pick anyway, all the games this weekend. That is going to be a rapid fire section, I can tell you that. But we're going to lead off with the big news stories from around the NFL. And who better to help steer us on that? Making his show debut, no less, but somebody that I know all of you will be following religiously across social media, across all his ESPN work. Welcome to the show, Jeff Darlington. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. This is, this is great. It's good to have you on. A lot of stories I want to get into. I want to start with Michael Thomas. Uh, because, of course, he was meant to return post-injury Monday Night Football against the Chargers. Didn't suit up. The story right. emerged that he'd been in, how do we put it diplomatically, an altercation with a teammate. Uh, and a lot emerging ever since. And he's taken to social media now as well and put out some quite cryptic messages, including my personal favorite, you ain't a snake, but they'll make you. Uh, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> didn't quite know what to make of that what do we make of this Jeff I mean he's a one game ban is it maybe pretty serious well the, the the unfortunate part is that we're continuing to see lingering effects from it because Sean Payton the Saints head coach kind of made clear that he had spoken to Michael Thomas and told him that he's got to be a better teammate he's got to be a better leader on the team and you saw at times even though the Saints won that game there were moments when Michael Thomas's presence would have been imperative and really key to the the success of the Saints they need him out there and uh, this is a guy who by all means to this point has been a really good leader for the Saints right to your point we don't really know what to read into some of these messages it feels very personal uh, but ultimately something that I'm sure Peyton just wants to get squared away so that Michael Thomas can focus back on football during what is a season that already has so many distractions. You don't need your star wide receiver um, causing other issues when this is a team, by the way, that's projected to be a, a trendy Super Bowl pick and has had a little bit of a sluggish start despite getting some wins. So they need Thomas to kind of get this thing straightened out because they need him back on the field. And of course, they had all the issues in the offseason with Drew Brees saying things that some of his teammates thought were inappropriate or at least right. you know, ill-judged and, and a bit short-sighted. So yeah, Sean Payton must be tearing his hair out at, at the moment. Jeff, teams often have double standards on these issues, right? Because if, a, and I'm talking about the fight, you know, the, the, the apparent right. fight that he had with his teammate. Because if a superstar transgresses, right? As opposed to say, if a practice squad player transgresses, right. they often get dealt with in very different ways, don't they? Yeah, well, it also depends. <laughs> it's so true. It depends how much attention is being placed on the situation. And right. I would generally say that NFL teams are pretty reactive. They, they, do, they basically hand out punishment based on what's ultimately um, necessary, based on public perception. You're not right. going to see a lot of punishments happen if the public generally doesn't know about it. So right. Uh, right. to that point, when Michael Thomas is dealing with a disciplinary measure like this, um, you, you, to your point, it is pretty serious. When Sean Payton is willing to, to sort of say, just because you're our best player doesn't mean that we're going to let you just do whatever you want. I think that that does send a pretty strong message to Saints players, even if, to your point, sometimes um, that discipline can be based on public perception more than anything else. So where does this leave Melvin Gordon as we roll on to the, to the next story? Broncos running back charge right. Tuesday night with DUI driving under the influence, speeding as well. And it was quite heavily over the speed limit, it seems. Yeah. So by no means unique in a situation here. I and mean, we see NFL players, athletes all the time getting caught for things like this. But given the situation, and he's just starting to emerge with the Broncos right. at a big, big game. And, and so I guess they're looking, again, same situation. They've, they know they've got to censure him. They're, they're looking into it. And, it. and it raises that whole question, Jeff, about NFL teams getting involved uh, when a player has uh, fallen foul of the law, even if they haven't been convicted of anything or even charged of anything That's in right. some cases, they will still step in and, and apply a punishment. So is that what we expect could happen here? 
Well, to your point that we just made earlier, it's always based on kind of reaction, right? And, and you know, one of the narratives that sort of came out of Denver, by the way, to your point, after Gordon's best game with the Broncos, had a really nice run in that game, felt like he started to get his legs under him with his new squad. So, you know, supposedly he called Elway immediately after it went down, explained the situation to him and, and expressed remorse. Um, That's a I smart play. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, exactly. Right after that, right? That's good thinking. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's one of those things where um, when the team is sort of trying to spread the narrative that, hey, uh, he handled it the right way, generally that means they're trying to find a way to, uh, to get him out of, out of punishment. So right. we'll see what happens. But to your point, a lot of times with these, with a DUI or something like that, they'll try to let, if it, if it feels um, okay, they'll try to sort of let the law dictate what their ultimate punishment is. Okay, watch uh, we'll watch that one keenly. Uh, Lev Bell, the Lev Bell era in, yeah, this uh, in one's New, interesting. New York is done. The Jets released him after the exploring trade options that clearly didn't materialize. That, that made me laugh that when that story was out there, you know, looking to try and get, get a deal done. And, and Andrew Brandt, who uh, has been uh, on my radio show a few times, former Packers front office uh, guy and really, really yeah. sharp cookie, just wrote, good luck with that. <laughs> right. right. I mean, they were never going to get a deal for him, were they? No, it- but you know what's interesting about that, to that point, and Brant is so smart with that, yeah. but a lot of people want to immediately blame Adam Gase. And, and Gase deserves a ton of blame for a lot of what's happened with the Jets. But when Gase got there, Le'Veon Bell had already signed that monster deal. And if you remember, Gase was sort of like, man, why are we paying? It's nothing against Le'Veon Bell. He's a talented guy, but, but we shouldn't be paying a running back that much money right. because it creates this cap issue. So fast forward to, to today when people are blaming Gase again for the utilization of Bell. It probably still says something, though, that no other team wants to swallow that contract either. It probably suggests that this is not necessarily on Gase, but on uh, Mike McCagnan, the former GM who signed him to that deal. It's just too rich of a deal for a running back um, in a situation where the Jets were essentially bidding against themselves. So. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate the way it worked out with the Jets. I think Gase could have done a better job of trying to make it work. But, but by all means, it felt a lot of times like sticking a, a round peg in a square hole. And it's going to be a matter of finding a good fit for Bell. Um, the interesting thing will be to see whether Bell chases the money in his next mm-hmm. situation or if he tries to just find the best fit. Uh, because at this point in his career, it feels maybe advantageous, speaking from someone who's not passing up the millions of people, to maybe <laughs> right. find up the best fit uh, rather than just go for the biggest contract. It's a great point. And, and, and it doesn't always stand to reason that it's at a, a certain age of a player's career that they're looking at that. So we had Rob Ninkovich on the show uh, a couple of weeks back, and, and he was talking a, about that, how players reach a certain point in their career. And they, then yeah. they realize, well, I've made a lot of money but I'm only going to be remembered or what I want to be able to look back and remember is success. And, and that drives a certain number of plays. But then you get someone like Jameis Winston, right? Who's still relatively young and takes that, what, a million dollar deal to back up. Exactly. That's that. I mean, that massively impressed me. That smart play for, from him, particularly in that situation, right? So uh, yeah. with, with Lev Bell, and just back on Adam, Adam Gaze for a minute, because that, that seemed to be the catalyst or the straw that broke the camel's back, right? That after... Uh, the, the loss against the Cards on Sunday, various things were getting put out on social media and, and, and Le'Veon Bell liked them. So criticism right. of the play calling and he wasn't getting much action. So he was not knowing consciously, of course, what, what the fallout from that. And, and Gates had obviously had enough, I guess. Was that, was that what happened? He just said, enough's enough, get out of here. Yeah, it feels like uh, it was becoming a distraction for both sides. But, you know, what, what's also interesting to me is that everybody, if you had said the day before that Le'Veon Bell got cut, um, who will be released from their duties tomorrow, Adam Gase or Le'Veon Bell? A hundred percent of the Jets fans would have said, oh, Adam Gase is definitely getting fired if that's the question. Right. The fact that Le'Veon Bell is the one who got cut and by general manager Joe Douglas with certainly ownership uh, approval, it, it suggests honestly that Gase seems to somehow have more job security than a lot of us realize because- Yeah, it's a great point. The, the, the expectation is that he could be fired at any hour. But yeah. if, if they signed off on that, that to me says that maybe they're not viewing this, his job as being in peril quite as much as the rest of us are. It's a great point. Is he, 
I mean, he's clearly quite a confrontational head coach, right? Because you look at his time in, in Miami and then Jamal Adams' situation now left. Right. Is that unfair or is he, is he actually doing what every coach should? I mean, I remember back in the day when, uh, when and we were talking actually with, uh, to Nink about this, because mm. when Belichick's, there was a similar situation to Randy Moss, right? When he spoke to reporters saying he wasn't getting enough looks and, you know, a day later he was dealt out of Foxborough. And that was, yep. he was still pretty much at the top of his game. And we were, we were talking about that in, as a statement of strength from, from Belichick and, and comparing that to other situations where coaches, either because they're not backed by the ownership or otherwise, uh, right. don't do that. They, they blink and they, uh, and they let the player control the situation. So in some respects, we should look at this and the way Gaze deals with, players and, and respect that should we but he seems to get so, criticized for it it's a good point so i know gase very well mm. and he is a stubborn guy i would say that to his face like he's a he's a very stubborn stubborn dude and wants to do it his way and has has strong convictions in his beliefs to your point when you're bill belichick and you do it um it, whether this is right or wrong winning has a lot to do with it the fact that he got tom brady in 2001 helped him be able to then kind of have that command over other guys because they were winning and they had that culture in place. Mm. Gase wants to create a similar culture. He doesn't want to rely on star power. He didn't in Miami and he doesn't with the Jets. The problem with that is it creates this sort of weird dynamic where you need some of those stars to be able to get over the hump to get to where you have the culture in place to be able to make those moves. Mm. Gase hasn't gotten there yet. So, and I don't know that he ever will. You can't just deal out the stars. In my opinion, you've got to make it work with your stars. And then if you get those wins, you create respect in your locker room to be able to kind of to, to puff your chest out. Yeah, Gase just hasn't earned those stripes yet. And ultimately, I think that that's, that's going to be his demise as a head coach. Mm, it's a great point. It's a great point. I guess Matt Patricia could be looking at that as well. As a kind of situation there, right? Same yeah. situation, 100%. Let's talk about the, the latest on the DAC issue because I'm really keen to get your perspective on what this means with regards to his long-term future with the Cowboys, which I know is, is almost impossible to be yeah, precise well, about at the moment. But Yeah. So, so you know what is, is really interesting about this to me? Jerry Jones is such like an emotional person, right? Mm. And he makes these decisions. Yes, he's very smart, but he also gets emotional about him to the point where it almost felt like Dak's injury um, sort of where all these people came up and were like, wow, what a wonderful person. What a great guy. We all love Dak. He's so talented. It almost in my head was kind of like when the boyfriend realizes that maybe there's a lot of other people out there that like your girlfriend. So maybe you should treat her a little bit better. <laughs> like I could literally see Jerry Jones offering a huge contract to Dak Prescott today before he's even <laughs> recovered from his injury, because he's like, wait a second, maybe I do have something really special here, but <laughs> love it. in a more realistic approach, <laughs> I, I do think that it's interesting to me that a compound fracture while gruesome in nature and created these emotions for all of us is probably an easier injury to come back from than say a torn ACL, right? You know, not to be a doctor here, but you, you're putting bones back in place. If there's no nerve damage, um, you're okay. You know, you, you could be okay in six to eight months, I think tops. Um, that's that's going to be critical, right? It's a great point. And because yeah. there was a dislocation as well, which again, you know, you, you know, talk to talk to medics and that that's actually, relatively speaking, a little bit more straightforward than right. as you say, other, other injuries that, that could be suffered. So let's assume that the recuperation recovery for DAC is as the medics would hope, right? For an injury of this type, right? So right. that takes us to you know, where are we now? October, so spring, summer. I mean, it's getting into crunch time. What's more likely to happen? On the basis he's fit and he's demonstrated to the Cowboys that he's healthy and he's good to go. Not in a game situation yet. And it's like Manning when he came back, right? We were, right. oh, what's going to happen? Is he, you right. know, wait, wait till he takes some hits. So we'll never know that until he's played. But by that stage, the, de the deadline for a deal, a long-term deal will be done. The franchise tag deadline will be done. So they've got to make a decision. What do you reckon? Right. Are they going to... Tag him again? Are they going to offer him a deal? That's a great question. And the question also becomes what Dak, all of a sudden, what his value is. Because he had, he, the timing of this was perfect. He was basically doing what Kirk Cousins did. Mm. He was playing the tag perfectly to where he would become this coveted, expensive free agent. I would not be surprised if he played under the tag again next year and basically said, let's just reset it. Because you're getting a ton of money on the tag. Right. So if you're averaging 30 to 35 million a year, like that's kind of ultimately what you were tr trying to target in a long-term deal. You just wanted more years. 
this obviously causes the issue of getting the long-term stability, but at least you could still potentially get the cash. So to your point, I don't think that Dak will necessarily bring his price tag down for the long-term deal because of this. In my opinion, look, without crunching numbers or being his representative, it feels like considering another year on the tag um, would perhaps be the prudent move here. Why didn't the Cowboys let him take the well he was pushing for four years wasn't he and and the cowboys wanted to hold out for five so why didn't right. if they really believed in him to the degree that the texans did watson got a four-year deal right why yeah. didn't they do it i don't know and it's a it's it was it felt um felt like both sides were just butting heads on something that could have been properly manipulated mm. at the end you know what was funny to me was that there was all this talk about Dak wanting four the cowboys wanting five and then all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes comes out of nowhere and signs a 10-year deal. <laughs> right, you know? And it, right. it, to me, I was like, well, hey, how come the Cowboys aren't thinking that way? How come they're, they're not saying, look, Dak, you know what? You want four years, we want five. How about we just blow all that out of the water, do it like Mahomes, where we say you're our franchise guy, yeah. and we'll just pay you as such. I, I guess every player doesn't view their situation as perfectly as Patrick does, given the head coach, the ownership, the market. Everything works perfect for him. But it felt like if the Cowboys wanted him for those five years so they could manipulate the cap a little differently, why not go even above that and say, let's do more years and more money, and that way everybody's happy. It didn't get there, obviously. Mm. Instead, it felt like they just continued to butt heads. And I wonder if, if he had carried on at the pace he's beat, he was on this season. I mean, incredible trajectory, right? The way he was balling in and in different totally. Cowboys side. I mean, I wonder whether they would have done that. I thought, okay, now you, because I guess that's the book on, on Dak. And it's difficult when you're in an era that has Mahomes and has Lamar and has right. Watson, even just on a, a cosmetic level, the playmaking and dynamism of them, right? And yep. Prescott does suffer from that a bit. But if he'd have one of those seasons where he was breaking 5,000 yards, throwing for crazy number of touchdowns and this freewheeling offense i wonder if that would have would have tipped them over over the line we will never know i guess we'll never know because i know it's crazy but you know it's also funny because like in my opinion i love dak uh dak needs the cowboys too Mm. dallas is who you want to play for you know what i mean like that's america's team that's the that's the big blue man that's like that playing there is a different beast from a marketing standpoint from a star power standpoint um so you know, there's something to be said for that, too. It feels like they've got to figure out a way to make this marriage work, even in light of the injury that he just faced. Okay, a couple more for you. Uh, we're going to preview week six a bit later on, but I do want to look back very quickly at Tuesday Night Football, how straightforward it was for the Titans when the, the whole narrative going into that game was very much the COVID impact in terms of preparation for the game, let alone the criticism they were facing for the situation that they found themselves in and are they going to get penalized for that and everything else. Everybody thought that there's no chance this Titan, well, very little chance this Titans team have got in this situation going up against a red hot Bills team. And it was the diametric opposite playing out in the end. Yeah. And and honestly, going into that game, it felt like a really good game. I actually thought the Titans putting aside the 16, 16 days off that they had, which is tough to put aside. Mm. But those two teams um, really felt like they were rising and, and getting a lot of momentum. Um, and I, I sort of felt like the Bills might have been uh, ready for a little bit of a letdown, whereas the Titans, I, you know, I, I wonder sometimes as a player, if you almost overcompensate, like, hey, I'm not going to be ready because of those 16 days off. I need to be in a hyper-focused mode. Um, to where like you almost overcompensate with mm. your focus for that game. Um, but I, mm. I was actually joking with Ryan Tannehill yesterday uh, on text. I was like, man, no, pr- pr- I sent him the uh, Allen Iverson g- gif, like, you know, practice? Who needs practice? And, uh, <laughs> right. and, uh, and he's like, yeah, I don't think, I don't think Vrabel's going to go for that every week, but seemed to work out fine this time around. And they, they just seemed crisp. Um, yeah. and, and honestly, it's probably a team that we should be focused on more it's so Matthew. funny Tannehill, by the way matthew berry a fantasy mm. football guy at espn yeah, yeah. had this stat that was like he was showing that um the top four fantasy points leaders at quarterback for the past two seasons and it was like L- lamar jackson patrick mahomes dak prescott uh and ryan Tannehill was third on the list wow. and yet he's a he was available in 58 percent of the fantasy football leagues it's so weird. Like people just are not willing to go there with the Titans or with Tannehill yeah. and believe that it's real, even though 
it's been like a season and a half, almost a 16 game season that they've, yeah. they've done this. Yeah, that is, is so true. And he is, I mean, if he keeps on keeping on, I mean, last season as well, almost because of the, of, of Derek Henry's season, what yeah. he achieved was, was, was under the radar and it's not a fashionable really market. I guess that I, I get that, but you're right. If they keep on, if he keeps on playing like this, he, you know, he is got to be in a serious consideration for, for rewards at the end of the season. Right. What do you make, Jeff, of the of the Tuesday night window? In so far as like obviously it's necessary right now because of COVID, we realize that. But do you think the NFL are looking at the way the season is playing out and, and probably going to have to use other windows during the week to to catch up with games and thinking, well, this is how it's going to be going forward? Right. I mean, it, it is. It, it was pretty cool. I mean, you have to have the right matchups because actually, yeah. it's funny. Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, the NBA owner, had said several years ago that the NFL needs to be careful of oversaturation, over dilution. And, and I actually kind of agree with that. Like, there is such thing, in my opinion, as football fatigue. And this is coming from someone who loves it um, and, and relies on it for my livelihood. But, you know, you start adding more and more games. It's sort of it almost brings down that that spotlight that we put on an NFL game. I don't think that they would necessarily keep going, but look, they, they've turned the NFL draft into a primetime event. So, right. so who knows? But they're definitely going to have to do it. I can't remember which night it is, but there's some reason for antitrust laws mm. uh, in the United States where they can't play NFL games one of the nights of the week. And I, that was funny to me. Like, we're going to get to the point where people are talking about, can they just have games every night? But, but <laughs> right. Actually, legally, apparently, you can't even you do that. Well, they managed to spin the draft into something uh, impressive. What about the Pro Bowl? That's what we'll end on, because the Pro Bowl not going ahead as planned uh, pre-COVID. Right. The NFL has said they want to reimagine it. And they, I mean, they really need to. I know it's a great gig to cover, right? So it's a great media gig. It's, it's a, great it's for the awesome. players. <laughs> 100%. And know what's funny is that um, it's in Orlando now and it seems to be going well. But when it was in Hawaii, I'd covered it a couple of times. I mean, two of my favorite weeks of my life. It was unbelievable. I bet. And you stay at this hotel and the players are just relaxed and, and they enjoy it. And actually, the funny thing for me, I subscribe to the fact that that is, that is intended to be a reward to the players for their accomplishment. That's why it was in Hawaii all those years. Mm. I actually am like, why does everything have to be monetized and marketed in a way that it has to be the success of the game? It's like, you know what? Maybe this is not for the fans and maybe it's for the players. And I realize yeah. that's probably an unpopular take, but it's like, just let them enjoy it. Don't turn it into another week of work for them when it's supposed right. to be a reward. So. Right. Plus, yeah. as a sports reporter, I want to go back to Hawaii and enjoy that week. We won that gig. We missed out in the draft in Vegas, which we were going to head to. And now yeah. you're telling me we don't get the Pro Bowl. Damn COVID. <laughs> we hate it. Uh, Jeff, it's great to catch up with you, man. Um, if our listeners, uh, I'm sure all of them follow you on, on Twitter uh, and social media. No. If they don't, that's remiss of them. But if they, uh, <laughs> if they want to catch you, where should they head? I'm on, um, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Darlington. Very simple. But, uh, but in, uh, yeah, we're just there talking ball, man. Love that. We're gonna, we'll push that out on our feed as well. I really appreciate your time, man. Come back and see us soon. Thank and when you. you're in London, come, come and see us as well. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Sounds good. I appreciate you. Lovely stuff from Jeff. Looking forward to catching up with him very, very soon. Appreciate his time and insight. We're going to get straight down to business in terms of the week six slate. Now, Ben Isaacs and I are going to aim to tackle every single game this weekend. Can we do it? Let's find out. Ben, welcome back to the show, bud. We are going to preview week six, all of week six, just every single piece of week six. Before we do that, though, you're banged up. What's going on? Oh, I really am. I feel like I should be on IR right now. I've either torn or pulled a muscle, an intercostal muscle. Those are the muscles that are between your ribs. Oh. And so every, every, you know, if you cough or sneeze, that's feel like that's game over. It's like you're done for half an hour. My Lying God. Lying down is a nightmare. Sleep is, I think I remember what it's like to sleep through the night, but it, it feels like a while. I've, I've done the exact same muscle between the same two ribs three times. Now, once I was skiing in Aspen, which is mm. pretty baller. <clears throat> Second time, my, my daughter was little and she was on a merry-go-round that was going too fast on it and she was on her own. So I grabbed it to stop it and it kind of jerked my whole body. And it Very baller. That's very baller. Yeah. And then the third one last week was I was moving garden furniture, which is oh. really not baller at all. And I, as I, I, I twisted and lifted, which is a common way to like do this particular muscle, twisted and 
lifted and I just kind of felt it like pop oh. in my body and I knew instantly what I'd done. And that was over a week ago. It is it is pretty painful. We, we're hoping it's not a grade three. Grade three requires surgery. Grade two is like a two-month recovery. That NFL dream is just slipping away from you piece by piece. Right? Hey, at least there's football on every night. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, if I exactly. I'm, I'll be up in the night and I will have games to watch. So that's, that's the upside of not being able to sleep and there being a pandemic. I am going to put you on the 49ers IR anyway, uh, just, to, just for surety <laughs> yeah. on that one. Right, we've got a ton to get through. We're going to key in on two or three games in a little bit more detail, then rattle through the rest of the slate, give a few hot takes. I know you love a hot take, Ben Isaacs, mm. uh, and try and pick them all as well, right? So don't forget, we're going to go head-to-head for no, there's absolutely no competitive mechanic whatsoever other than just earning respect, Ben, earning respect. Oh, I'd love respect. Yeah. There's no wait. trophy, there's nothing. No ring, there's ne- <laughs> negative. We might get you find you a new rib or a new intercostal muscle mm. if we can. That could be your prize. <laughs> Let's start with, I think, the game of the weekend. The 4-1 Browns taking on the unbeaten Steelers at Heinz Field. First things first, Benedict, is the AFC North going to be that division that gives us three playoff teams? Oh, very possibly it's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun to watch um you know obviously the bengals are letting the side down but they're building for the future they've they've got an excuse Uh, there's not many teams more entertaining to watch right now than the cleveland browns you know you and i sat in your radio studio not long ago watched that stunning cleveland dallas game in week (sighs) four Um, we know cleveland can give up big plays and we know what chase claypool did for the steelers last week you know it's too much to expect that sort of production on a regular basis but this is the sort of matchup that impact receivers crave. Mm. You know, and- Let's look at that just on the playoff picture, because I was trying to work this out. Yes, the Patriots are contending in the East, so conceivably mm. whoever doesn't win the East might be there at 10 and 6. We think that will probably be enough to get it. The Raiders staking their claim in the West, and Raiders fans listening will say, well, hey, we're going we're gonna to take the West. But realistically... No, boys and girls, respect <laughs> what you did last week. But realistically, it's a wild card shot for you. The North, you know, the Titans are, are balling, and uh, the Colts, they're a, you know, that's a dangerous game, and the other two aren't at the races there. So I think, I think realistically, if we assume Baltimore are going to take the North, Cleveland, Pittsburgh are going to be looking at this, thinking, yeah, it's wide open. Yeah, the 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 worry would be if you are one of those three teams is that it's such a grind that AFC North schedule, right? That, if you end up taking too many, you know, if wins, wins will start disappearing if you start losing those divisional, divisional games. Each other out, yeah. But there's certainly three teams that, are, that look playoff ready right now. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the Steelers, I wasn't quite sure what to expect. The Browns, you know, you never know what you're going to get from season to season with the Browns. And the Tennessee Titans are the Tennessee Titans from last year. No one wants yeah. to play against them. Maybe even better. Maybe even better. All right, let's look at why the Steelers, uh, starting with them, anyway, are ticking so well. Roethlisberger, back with a vengeance. He's had 10 touchdowns, just one pick. And he's seemingly got, Ben, nine or 10 number one receivers to choose from. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Not a fair fight, is it? No, they've got an absolute surplus of riches at the receiver position. You know, I... I Chase Claypool setting setting lots of records last week with you know a massive breakout game. I'm I'm not convinced he's going to be one of the star receivers in the NFL, but he's someone who will clearly. Why not? Were you big on him in college? Um, I thought he. Well, the thing is, it was such a deep wide receiver draft. Right. That Chase Claypool won in the second round, and in another year, he could have he could have gone first round. There was so much talent available in in the second round that they got great value there because he is very very talented. And when I say I'm not convinced he will be one of the best. I just mean, I'm not convinced he is going to be one of the 10 best wide receivers in the NFL. But you, you don't necessarily need you know, all your wide receivers to be at that elite level. I think he is someone who is going to be very productive in his NFL career and is going to score a lot of touchdowns and is absolutely a, the fantastic, perfect weapon for what the Steelers are trying to do right now because he can really get those yards after catch. You, know, got me so- thinking, you just got me thinking on, on this that... We look at, uh, and just mentioning that Dallas-Cleveland game and looking at the receiving call that's building up in Dallas, which I guess is maybe the closest to what I'm about to suggest, although with uh, you know, youngsters in there as well as vets like Cooper, it's not quite the same thing. A team doing a, a Miami Heat, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just putting together a receiving core of the very, very best. I mean, that would be, you know, if you had like Julio Diggs, Hopkins on the same team. Why hasn't anyone done that? Oh, because wide receivers are such divas. 
you you don't want three of those in the same room. It's an absolute absolutely. nightmare. Absolutely. <laughs> we were talking the other week with, uh, gosh, I can't remember. Who, oh, well, Tom Deak has talked about this before. Oh, actually, I think this was on another show. I was talking about this stuff that uh, Tom Deak and I have talked about in the past with Mick McCarthy being an NFL head coach. I think you and I have talked about yes, Mick yes. obsessed with Mick McCarthy being an NFL head coach. The idea that he would line up with four or five tight ends, right? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> bother with receivers, just tight ends. Who is the equivalent of that that would if they were head coach of an NFL team, have four or five diva receivers. Don't even bother with running backs. Nah, tight ends, not interested. I'm, well, I'm, I'm pushing it back to the early 90s now, but I feel like Aussie Ardiles. Ardiles. I, I, I was talking about sort of showbiz. Like I was thinking Diddy would, Diddy would oh, <laughs> look at that. I, I, to, me, to me, I think of kind of when Aussie Ardiles sort of tactical naivety in the, in the Premier League, in the, when, mm. when the Premier League wasn't the Premier League that we know it now. And he just seemed to be like, oh, if we just have seven strikers, then presumably we'll outscore the other team and paid no attention to anything else. Just try to have flair players, which is sort of occasionally fun to watch. But then you'd find that when you, when you do that in the Premier League, you just don't get the ball enough anyway. doesn't so- last very long. Speaking of which, let's talk about some of the key battles in this one. So you've got this very strong Cleveland offensive line against uh, a Steelers pass rush. The Steelers pressure rate of 50% is over 10 percentage points higher than any other team in the NFL, PFF, uh, reliably inform me. So that's going to be a really fundamental matchup, isn't it? Can the Steelers get in the face of Baker Mayfield in this one? Yeah, I think I think they will. And it's all about how much has Baker Mayfield learned during his NFL career so far. Is he gonna is he gonna feel that pressure and make the smart passes? And that's that's my worry. He makes a lot of bad decisions still because he is that kind of classic gunslinger with a chip on his shoulder and feel that he can make any single throw. So I've got no doubt the Steelers will spend significant time in that backfield. But they're using it more calmly this, or he's behaving more calmly this season. He, he is, but I don't think he's faced the defense like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, right. I am, I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. I enjoy watching him, but I think when he gets rattled, the bad decisions come out. What about the Cleveland D? 12 takeaways they've had so far, which is leads the NFL. So they've got a fighting chance at, at neutralizing to a degree this Steelers passing attack. Yeah, I, I love this opportunistic defense. However, I feel the, the Pittsburgh offense matches up so well because they play a kind of high percentage possession football game where it's a lot of short pl- passes from Roethlisberger now. You know, he's not, he's not going deep anywhere near as much as he used to. Right. He's going on those short high percentage passes that are far less likely to be picked off. They're gonna, the, the, the linebackers are going to have their works cut out for them um, for Cleveland because I don't think, I don't think it's going to be kind of a lot of jump balls with the, you know, with the, with the cornerbacks and the Steelers wide receivers and kind of balls being tipped and going everywhere. It's going to be kind of quick release from Roethlisberger, short passes and whether they can then contain those speedy uh, Steelers players, because that that's where the big plays will come. I think short passes, longer runs rather than the deep passes that, that the Browns will feast off. Speaking of uh, longer runs, Lev Bell back to the Steelers, do you think? Would they, what would the fans say if Lev Bell went back to Pittsburgh? Would they take, they'd welcome him with open arms, right? I think, I think they would. I think they'd feel that he was kind of chastened by his, um, by his little trip to New York, which they felt wasn't going to work out for him. He'd kind of come back with his tail between his legs and give them another weapon. I think they would forgive him. They'd feel that they won that battle and they've got him back. And I, I'm fascinated to see where, he, where he's going to go. I mean, clearly it was a bad decision going to the Jets. So it's probably a bad decision for almost any player. But it really, he was absolutely wasted, especially when you've got a, <laughs> a head coach, quote-unquote head coach like Gase. Well, the, speaking of the, uh, the, the flip side of that, Tomlin maybe would welcome him back on the basis that he wrote, I don't know, 10 lines on the board. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I went to the Jets. I'll never do yeah. it again. I will not make bad decisions again. And 50 yeah. push-ups. Okay, you're back in. Yeah, that, that'd be it. I mean, I, I, think, I think this probably is, this is game of the week, and I'm mm. absolutely fascinated by the, by the Steelers' defense. You know, it, the thing is, right, with the Browns, I think they're not getting enough credit or they're not getting the right type of credit. I think they're being 
patronized a little bit by certain sections of the media and certain fans because they think, oh, the Browns are always meant to be terrible. And, oh, you know, look, they finally, they finally done this. And I think people use the team's short and medium term history as a stick to beat them with almost holding current players responsible for things that happened to the franchise when they were, when they were toddlers. What I like about this team is they seem to have kind of a short memory for that. And they are, they are living in the moment. Whereas the Steelers defense seems to be in a good way living in the 1970s. You know, this is sort of, <laughs> this is the defense the Steelers used to play right. in the 1970s, sort of, because obviously if you try to play that defense now, you'd have like five players ejected every single. I still think Mean Joe Green could handle himself in the, in the NFL in 2020. Oh, absolutely. It's just kind of how many calls would go against him. That's, that's the thing. I'm sure <laughs> physically, physically he could. It's, I think the game will rest on uh, Kevin Stefanski, the, the Cleveland offensive coordinator, because he's got to figure out a way of outsmarting this defense. Yeah. So are the Steelers going to get their first loss? Will Stefanski manage to outsmart mm. Tomlin? What do you reckon? Um, I've gone back and forth on this. I'm going to say this is a Pittsburgh win, mm. but it's going to be close and it's going to be very entertaining. I think they will get to Baker Mayfield. I think he'll make a couple of bad decisions and I think that's going to cost them. Yeah. It, uh, a really intriguing game. And it wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland put in uh, another A plus A star. Nah, you say A star, I say A plus. <laughs> but yeah, I look at Stefanski versus Tomlin. I look at Big Ben versus Baker. And I will always err on the side of experience here. And I think uh, they will see it through, but it's going to be intriguing. So is Packers Bucks. That's the next place we're going to go. I think there are going to be some points. In this one, but it was the over/under about seventy-four. Yeah, this this should be this should be a shootout. Although, you know, the the Bucks defense was pretty good during the first few weeks of the season. They 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 didn't make plays when they needed to against the Bears. And Vita Vey being out is a well, is that's a massive, such a key part of that D. Because you look at some key stats here. So Vita Vey gone. Aaron Jones has 5.8 yards a carry this season. The Packers collectively have over five yards a carry, over 150 yards a game. That's a top five unit in the NFL. And also, you throw in 17 sacks for Tampa Bay, which is fourth in, in the NFL. Uh, six picks for their D as well. Rogers hasn't thrown a single one. So really, really keenly poised, because it's a good O-line for, for Green Bay, obviously, as well. So really, really keenly poised. But the removal of Vita Vea from that, it's so disappointing, because if he'd been playing in that, that, this would have been an absolutely fascinating battle. But I think this tips it and tilts it in Green Bay's favor quite significantly. Yeah, I would have, I would have gone for a narrow um, Green Bay win, even if he was playing. But this one, this, this loss really, really makes me more confident now. Like Brady couldn't keep up with Nick Foles the other week. Um, how is he going to keep up with Aaron Rodgers? Like the, the Bears defensive line was fantastic last Thursday. And although it didn't all end up on the stat sheet, Mack and Quinn just spent a lot of time keeping Brady off balance. And obviously I, I joke about not being able to keep up with Nick Foles. You know, the, the defeat was not entirely on Tom Brady, but he well, was let's, harassed, let's he was harassed the, all night. The elephant in the room, right? So the, 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 messing, the messing up on downs, which what I particularly liked about it was, was Brady talking about it afterwards in the presser. <laughs> <sighs> kind of computing. The, how has he gone? How is the most successful quarterback of all time, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, gone through tw over 20 years in the NFL and he's never done this before? How do, it gives me hope. Like, Benny, I was coaching last week. Uh, I don't know. It happened two weeks ago. Coaching... So my eldest team, my coach, you know this, but I'm not sure our listeners always do. Coaching my eldest team, as our listeners definitely know, because I harp on about it all the time. In fact, I picked up a rib injury this, about this time last season, <laughs> playing a bit of five and six aside. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a short side uh, keeper, right? So when we're doing training, sometimes I'll go and goal in that game. And, eh, you know, make sure as long as I hold my own, as long as I'm not embarrassing myself, I'm not going to lose that status, that respect as a coach. Uh, and you'll know at five aside as well, of course, most of the time, most games, you're not allowed out the area. They're not allowed inside the area. You can pick up the ball, pass back. So I'm not used to the old pass back, can't pick it up. So this happens two or three times. I'm feeling a little bit hurried, but I'm, you know, I'm taking care of it. I'm not losing, I'm not losing face. Ben Isaacs is the key. <laughs> and then, and then a slightly panicked pass back from, from one of the boys. Oh, I'm going to control it. And I was playing it out. To, it goes under my foot into the net. 
under my foot into that. Never happened to me before mm. in all my years. And there it has to happen then in that moment. And so I looked at that break. So comparable, those examples. Right? Absolutely. The, the stakes that. was high. Very similar. Very similar situation. But it can happen, right? You think people are saying, how on earth did Brady not get that? These things happen sometimes. Let's not go overboard about it. I, 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 absolutely, I absolutely agree. And maybe it's, maybe it's because we're all, you know, we're all aware of how old Tom Brady is. And none of us are, I say, none of us on this call are spring chickens. Similar age. We're similar age. Yeah. Again, another eerie comparison. Yeah. <laughs> comparison. You know, Tom Brady made a mental mistake. And he doesn't make too many mental mistakes. And he made a mental mistake kind of in the, in the heat of the moment. I don't think it cost them the game, but it was a significant right. mistake. But, you know, the, the dude has played a couple of decades. I think you're entitled to have a few mistakes where you go, oh, do you know what? He should have done a lot better there. Hmm. But, you know, it doesn't happen that often. Do you think that's how it was put to him by Arians afterwards? Oh, could gosh. Done, could, Tom, you could have done a lot better. Uh, let's let's myth bust something because we've talked about this on the show this season. And I, and I wanted to really drill down into some numbers on it because it's been bugging me and driving me mad for this ridiculous narrative that Brady can't throw the deep ball anymore. Brady's, he's not what he wants. So just for the record, for all of those Brady haters out there that are saying that, Brady's got 458 passing yards this season on passes of 20 or more yards downfield. He's ranked third in the NFL for that. So can we please, for the love of God, put that to bed? Yeah, people, obviously, one of the big stories going into this season was Tom Brady in another uniform with another head coach. This is wild. And everything was going to be so scrutinized. There's, I think there's a, there's a lack of willing from certain sections of the media to criticize Brady and Belichick together. And I think certain people, I mean, you know, fans will always want to do it. But there's, there's kind of murmurings from the media about Tom Brady that I think wouldn't happen if they thought they were going to have to deal with Bill Belichick. Tom Brady, is he the, is he the player he was 10 years ago? No. Is he, is he even more intelligent and experienced? Yes. Yeah. Can he still throw the deep ball? Hell yeah. That's a quarterback. I wonder if that makes, you know, that, that cancels itself out. I mean, Peyton Manning's the poster boy for this, right? So athletically... Yeah, of course, he's, he's declined it a bit, but not, not tangible, not significantly. And as you say, he's got 10, however, whenever you want to draw the line, X number of years of extra smarts, might miss the odd, what down is this? But hey, we're all human, right? Who would you take right now if you had, you would, you'd flown in alternate reality as a head coach of a contending franchise this season? Would you take Breeze or Brady as your quarterback? Mm. Um, I think Breeze has also been unfairly maligned, but I would take Brady because he has seen absolutely everything. Mm. Yeah. I think I think Breeze, I think Breeze's decline this season is is more than is more than Brady's. If you want to if you want to call Brady um, in a decline, um, two of the greats, but Brady's brain is I think other than Manning in my lifetime is is the best one. Great idea for a, a sitcom there but brady's brain brady's brain when yeah they, <laughs> they keep brady's brain alive going <laughs> he's head coaching a team in the future oh um uh we gotta get that options and then we put him in then he put him into some kind of robotic quarterback but we're getting into americanish quarterback territory as much as i'd love to do that we <laughs> yeah. can't right now because we've got games to pick so i'm taking the packers for a road and i'll be big on the bucks all season uh and i like him and i think this could be quite conceivably the nfc championship game uh, and i think this is going to be an absolute blazing shootout but i'm liking because of the absence of Vita Vera, I'm liking the Packers. Well, see, the Packers are coming off a bye. Yeah. And teams love the rest they get on a bye. But I don't think Green Bay will have totally appreciated it. They really got in a groove the first few weeks of the season. They're the most consistent team in the NFL so far. And that's a big deal for me when the theme of the season has been inconsistency due to the massively disrupted offseason. Mm. Devontae Adams, I think, will have benefited from the bye and can come back. I do feel the bye came at the wrong time for the Green Bay Packers, but I do think they are going to win. I'm not sure who in the NFC can stop the Green Bay Packers. I think they are a level above the Seattle Seahawks at the moment. That can change. But this is, this is the class of the NFC right now. And the, the Bucks, we expect them to be in the playoffs. I, I can easily imagine this being a playoff matchup again. And I would imagine the Packers would win both times. Okay, on to Chiefs-Bills next. Both teams, of course, have to pick themselves up after week five defeats the Chiefs getting turned over as we said earlier on by Vegas the Bills 
and Josh Norman in particular having to pick himself up after that Tennessee smackdown. How many times have you watched the Henry Stefan? Oh, I love it. Over under seeing is how long are we now? An hours. I reckon you've watched it 64 times at least. It, it, it does feel like that. But, you know, I've, I remember the next day it just kept coming up in my Twitter feed sort of on a, on a loop. Yeah. And it's just absolutely crazy. And I think someone said um, they want to petition EA to get to get his um, stiff arm ratings to 999 on Madden. It was beautiful. I love a good stiff arm. Uh, and, well, Derek Henry certainly enjoyed it. Although it's worth pointing out that they held Henry the Bills to three yards a carry. Yeah, and this has been a bit of a theme this season, right? And he's been putting up the numbers, like in terms of total volume, but his average yards per carry way off the, way off the pace of last season. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird game because the scoreline would suggest, you know, an absolute blowout, and it, you know, it, it was a deserved Tennessee victory. Yeah. But when you look at the, we look at the the yards allowed, it was actually quite close. You know, Tennessee benefited from a lot of short fields, um, and Buffalo, when they were driving, had full length fields and that sort of thing made the difference you know Tannehill did what he did what he does or has done over the last kind of season and a bit he's just been very efficient Derek Henry getting getting the getting it done because he gets enough carries to do so Mm. the scoreline flattered the Tennessee Titans but you know the Bills the Bills will be devastated by that because they, you know, they'd had such a good start to the season. They would have been playing with such confidence. And then that will have really taken it out of them. I mean, it, it was obviously going to be a tricky game and I was not surprised that Tennessee won. But just the points they allowed, just how kind of soft they were in the red zone and things like that. It was a bad, bad loss. I think a lot, a lot worse a defeat than it was for the Chiefs losing to the Raiders, which I actually wasn't surprised by. I, I, that was my kind of upset pick of the week mm. simply because i th- i thought the raiders were due i think you know the, the raiders can have those big plays and the chief's defense as good as it's been i felt they were not going to sustain that and at some point it was going to let them down now well, i don't just, think they, I, i'm not sure if they're going to be let down back. two exactly two weeks in a row just trying to break down and, and we talked about it a lot on the monday show with carlson so go and dig that out if you haven't listened to that episode already that the chiefs raiders game in particular but looking at some of the stats from that in relation to, to the bills game car completed four passes of 20 more yards downfield uh 219 yards in total and two touchdowns the chiefs outside corners are, are looking very strong for most of the season in terms of shutting down receivers, but it's on the inside in particular. So Cole Beasley and co could, could uh, have a field day there. The other key thing, Josh Jacobs had a big game, of course, and we know that one of the ways to keep the chiefs in check is to control the clock. And if you can run on them, so you put those two things together and build up long drives where you're going to the ground quite a lot. And that kind of lends itself well to, to what the bills maybe need to do here, given they were, pretty indifferent in the air against the Titans. They might go back to that kind of game, head to the ground game and try and control it that way. So some, some really interesting dynamics going on. I'm with you though, Ben. I don't see the Chiefs putting in as an erratic or indifferent performance consistently two weeks in a row. And they, look, that game could have been very, very different if that Mahomes 60 yards to hill early doors, you know, had on a different day that wasn't called a hold. And we've seen that a lot of holding, offensive holding calls overlooked in the early stages of the season. And look, I'm not taking anything away from the Raiders' performance. I think ultimately they deserve that win. But I think the Chiefs will get back on the horse quite comfortably here. Uh, on the road in Buffalo, I'm not saying it's going to be a, a blowout, but I think the Chiefs get the win. Yeah, I, I, I think... The only way that Buffalo can win is if they can really establish their running game. You know, in theory, they could pound it against the Chiefs. The Chiefs were kind of soft against the run last week. Have been all season. But, have been for the last couple of years, really. When are we going to see Christian Wade? Oh, that would be Wade fun. Yeah, that would be, that would be fun. Um, I, the, bills, the Bills are good. You know, this isn't, this isn't a shock. But they're about to have two defeats in a row. And yeah. this is... And this is a four-game stretch that could define their season. So they've just lost to Tennessee, which obviously was a tough game. Now they're going to play the Chiefs, who very possibly the best team in the NFL. Then they've got New England. Then they've got Seattle. They could wow. feasibly go 0-4 in those games. 
Yeah. And then it can just be it, it could just be difficult to get back into that race again. If you're if you're at 500, kind of halfway through the season, you've got ground to make up because there will be wild card teams that have started to get away from you. Great point, uh, and I think it is a significant couple of weeks, as you say. I'm in full agreement with that. Uh, and the Patriots. Well, let's go to our other picks next, and they're one of the ones I'm going to rattle through because we've got about ten minutes to pick the rest, right? So we're both mm-hmm. going Chiefs in that one. Let's rattle through in rapid time, starting with the Texans at Tennessee. So Romeo Cornell must have been watching that because the interim Texans head coach must have been watching the Tuesday night football win, Ben, and thought, "Are you are you kidding me? Come on, I've just got them. I've just got the boys back in in motion here." Uh, Incidentally, did you see Cornell get down after the Houston win? Oh yeah, I mean, loving that. <laughs> You've Love got to Cornell. celebrate. I want Cornell to get the gig full time. I want him. I don't care if he's 73 or whatever he is. Like, who cares about that? He's, he's, you're only as young as, look, Carroll's in his late 60s. Belichick's in his late 60s. Why is everyone's making a big issue? He's the oldest head coach in the NFL. Uh, but I don't think they can get a huge amount going against Tennessee here. I think Tennessee, as you rightly say, have followed the blueprint of last season and then some. I, like I say, the Henry stats are interesting because he's still obviously unbelievably productive bursting off certain runs, punching in scores, but teams are containing him to, to a degree. Tannehill is flying again under the radar. I heard somebody suggest Tannehill, and that we got to remember on this show, Ben, we don't want to get too far into the MVP race discussion. Oh boy. We, don't, we don't like that too much around here. But I heard someone suggest that, that forget take MVP out of it. Is Tannehill one of the best players of the season so far? Yeah, he is. He is. And what I, what I love about the Tennessee Titans is is there any team in the NFL right now that is more sure of the team that they want to be? Right. And just sticking to that blueprint. Like, this is what we are. This is how we've been built. This is where the talent is. This is what we're going to do. And they will win games because of it. Tannehill has been fantastic. But something tells me the Titans are due for a, a letdown game mm. after that emotional victory. And it was emotional because they had COVID, half... Yeah. yeah, they've had so many people telling them, oh, take draft picks away from them. You know, all these things punishment they've been kind of the pariah of the nfl but did the texans have enough in them to beat the titans even if the titans are down i don't think so i just think tennessee is just too tough for houston right now the texans can keep it close but the titans will win right both picking tennessee in that one ravens eagles next um ravens will bring the pain of course or attempt to it uh, to Carson Wentz. It's worth pointing out, Wentz went 11 for 16, two touchdowns over 100 yards, and a pick as well, when uh, Pittsburgh were blitzing him, right? So mm-hmm. he can handle himself, seemingly, when he's under fire. On that note, it stands to reason, Pittsburgh blitzing 50% of the time, that leaves the NFL. Number two, the Ravens at 48%. So you'd imagine that Wink, love Wink, uh, is going gonna, is gonna to bring it again against the Eagles, and it's a porous line, and it's a, it's a God, it's a poorest Eagles team full stop, right? Uh, I think they're going to have a lot of success there, even despite Wentz not necessarily blinking or getting phased with it. Offensively, they've got far too much for this banged up uh, Billy D to deal with. A comfortable win for, for Baltimore. Yeah, Lamar Jackson has not been reaching the heights that he did last season, and I, I don't think it was realistic to expect him to. Uh, this game could be ugly. The only way the Eagles will win this is if the Ravens are looking ahead to next week's bye and the game against the Steelers that follows it. And I don't think they will. I think they're going to beat up the Eagles who are already beaten up. I think the Eagles are going to struggle badly when Lamar Jackson's got the ball. I don't think they can stop him. I think this is a comfortable Ravens win. Speaking of beating up, how's your rib holding up? You okay? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sat in just the right position. Mm, okay. It'll be when I start moving around. That'll be fun. So there'll be no Romeo Cornell style dancing at the oh, end. Oh, disappointing. Last. That's disappointing. <laughs> uh, when you're better, that's something you could aim for. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Falcons, Vikings next. Uh, Dalvin Cook, the big injury doubt, of course, who went out for the Vikings last week. It didn't seem to matter at all. They still uh, racked up uh, the yardage. On the other side of the fence, Julio out last week, of course, didn't practice Wednesday, so he's uh, an injury doubt again. Uh, Raheem Morris, incidentally, is the interim head coach for the Falcons now. Dan Quinn has exited stage left. I think it's Vikings all the way here. I mean, a new coach bounce, interim coach bounce. Is that, is that pressure being relieved? I'm not really getting uh, buying into that, and particularly when you look at this Atlanta pasty, which is poor, and I think Cousins can have with Jefferson establishing himself now as well, I think Cousins can have a, a good Kirk day. I think he can 
get stuff going there. And I think they've demonstrated they can roll on the ground irrespective of whether Dalvin plays or not. The Falcons have put points up against the Vikings, the secondary, which you know performed pretty credibly last time around. We know it's young, it's raw, it's capable. It's the kind of secondary that if Ryan is on song and Julio plays with Calvin and, and co, they can torch. But I don't see them getting enough of a cohesive game together to, to beat Minnesota. I think Minnesota, who I wrote off maybe too soon this season, Ben, I think they get the win. Yeah, I, I think the Vikings are a decent team with a bad record, while the Falcons are a bad team with a terrible record. <laughs> what uh, about you were going with that? It's, I'm, I'm pleased to see Raheem Morris uh, get another chance. Yep. You know, he was so young when he was at the box. Um, and right. he'll have learned a lot since then. So welcome back, Raheem Morris. I'd like to see him get the job. Dalvin Cook I may not play, but I think the damage, like you say, is going to be done by Kirk Cousins anyway this yeah. week. Yeah, I think this is... This is a Vikings win. They move to two and four and the season is not over for them. I think the, the NFC North is, is going to be a bit weird apart from the Packers. They are still in the hunt for a wildcard place because I think they do have talent. Yeah. Okay. We're agreeing far too much, Ben. You realize here. So maybe we'll I try know. and find we'll, some separation. We will. I'm sure. Probably not in this one, although you never know. You never know. Maybe this is a, an upset game. Cincinnati heading to Indy, right? Uh, for the Colts, you know, I'm really flip-flopping on them. And it's easy recency bias and uh, similar mindsets to get a little bit carried away on the, what you've seen in the last week or so. But I think it's a bit like the Bills were last season for me in offensively, in the sense that defensive, well, let's look at them collectively. Defensively, very well organized, solid team, not necessarily many superstars in there. But to your point on Tennessee, well coached, know what they're about offensively just missing that x factor and ty clearly should be that player and isn't at the moment forget rivers and i you know i think if it's enough around him he, he'd be fine i just don't i look at that offense and i just don't think there's enough about them to really threaten the the serious teams in the afc yeah i i think you're right rivers is kind of blowing hot and cold I think you put it perfectly. They lack that X factor. They are a really good, solid defense. They are absolutely legit. They're one of the best defenses in the NFL as far as I'm concerned. But the, the offense can be pedestrian at times. The, the, you know, they, beat the, they beat the Bears, the only team to beat the Bears. Um, and the Bears have been poor in most games for a lot of the game. And in that game, they were poor almost the entire game. And that was, that was down to the Colts' defense, not down to the Colts' offense. Mm. This Colts defense is not what Joe Burrow it is not what Joe Burrow wants to face right now. He got beaten up last week, and this Colts defense could do the same. Uh, he'll be hoping that Colts linebacker Darius Leonard is out, which he may well be, and that the Bengals D can put pressure on Rivers. But even with some pressure on Rivers, I just don't think they're going to do enough against that indie defense. So this has to be a Colts win. I'm with you. I think Indy get the win. Uh, I love to see Burrow get the win um, because I think he's given, as you say, the amount of pressure he's been under is ridiculous, even by those rookie first round, first overall pick standards where you know you're, you're typically going to go into a situation where you're going to be under fire. Ridiculous. The Bengals need to, to fix up quickly on that. All right. Rapid fire. Lions, Jags, who are you going with? Um, it's, I think, the Lions in a shootout that barely anyone will watch live. I think if you want to see points, this will be the most fun game of the week. Lions are healthy after the bye. Yeah, the bye. Jags have lost four in a row. Both got offenses that can be effective against weak defenses, which is what they'll face. Yeah, so you're picking Lions for the win. Though. I'm picking the Lions. I'm taking the Jags. Come on. Mitchumania <laughs> rolls on. I agree. It's going to be a shootout. I think the Jags, I think they get the win. Uh, so that's our first point of difference. What about your Chicago Bears? Ben Isaacs mm. heading to Carolina. Foles questions as to whether he's much of an upgrade on Trubisky. I wonder whether that's what they'll just do, just bench him at halftime in this game and bring Mitch back and just keep repeating that cycle every couple of games and keep on winning. I mean, I'm, I'm not against the idea of saying, right, okay, you can do this and like firing someone up from the bench. Obviously, the Panthers are still missing Christy McCaffrey, but Teddy Bridgewater has been good, really good. Um, I like the Panthers O-line and they'll need to avoid doing what I said Tampa Bay were doing, which is letting Mack and Quinn cause Brady problems. Um, the Carolina D-line has struggled though this season. And I think mm. that's, that's the key because if they can't put foals under much pressure, if they allow the Bears to run the ball when they need to, then the Bears will win this game. I'm actually going with the Bears in an upset. 
Oh, I'm going Carolina home. Is the best an upset of the best dogs? Oh, yeah, they are. Wow. They're three point, three point, three point dogs. Yeah, three point five, I think. There. Oh, wow. Okay, that's uh, that crucial uh, over three line. Oh, I'm going Panthers with a win there. Uh, and God bless, as we move on to our next game, God bless Alex Smith because he makes the Washington New York Giants game watchable, right? Uh, yeah. uh, I want to shout out to Mark Sester, our friend, of course, part of the Around the NFL crew. Uh, tweeted something really interesting earlier on. Danny Dimes hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since week one. <laughs> what is going on there? I mean, I think it's going from bad to worse for, for the Giants. I think I can see this. This is the, assuming Smith starts, this is the final phase of that, of that Hollywood movie, right? So <laughs> they, they come back and then he gets the win and then they'll kind of fade it off as to what Smith managed to do. And that's, of course, they go on and win yeah. the Super Bowl, which is unlikely yeah. what Smith did for the rest of his career. I think Washington with the road win. Maybe yeah, it's uh, my heart talking over my head there. You know, um, we've talked about um, kids football um, a couple of times and my daughter plays um, under 10s football and plays for a, a team that is really, really good. And they often just absolutely batter teams and I'm on the sideline as a manager feeling a bit guilty and I do wonder with these teams that get almost like cannon fodder in the division what they're like when they play each other it's like this this is what the game will be like the the (laughs) Giants against the Washington footballers I think is going to be a brutal watch the Giants should have beaten the Cowboys the NFC is a disgrace it should be moved to the XFL and I think the Giants are going to win it okay uh, taking the Pats return of Cam uh, assuming he is back, of course, which it seems to be. Return of Drew Locke as well for the Broncos, it seems. In Foxborough, I'm picking the Pats for the win. Yeah, I don't care who the quarterbacks are. The Patriots are going to are gonna win this, I'm confident. Jets-Dolphins, the Adam Gase Bowl. Oh. The, Joe, the Joe Flacco Jets era continues. What's not to love about oh, this? I'm, I'm grabbing my uh, Lindy Sports Pro Football uh, season preview. Half the time I watch the Jets going, who? Who is this? Who and why? <laughs> Just a place I've never heard of. Yeah, I, I, I said on Twitter on Sunday that the Dolphins are fun to watch now and that I didn't expect them to be. And, and Will Gavin replied saying that the one thing he thought the Dolphins would be this season was fun. And I thought to myself, actually, this is on me. This is my total lack of faith in the Dolphins because they, they were entertaining at the end of last season. I just had no faith in them in the short term. I think their medium to long term prospects look good, but I thought they wouldn't be able to put anything together this season. And I've been wrong because in parts, they have been a really good football team and i'm confident this will be an easy finn's win even if fitzpatrick isn't as good as he was against the 49ers last week which i mean that was fantastic absolutely sensational he shredded san francisco yes he did he does not need to even come near that to Mm. beat the jets this is this should be an easy dolphins win that will make them start thinking about the playoffs they can put Dan Marino in on Sunday and they'll win that game. Uh, in fact, they probably win it easily with the, with the great man in there. I'm going Dolphins as well. Speaking of the Niners, last two, uh, they're hosting after the, on the back of that uh, Dolphins to beat the hosting. The Rams, difficult and, of course, divisional opponent coming into town. What the hell happened to Jimmy G last week? We reminded me, Ben, of staking the game before he was finally yanked. He looked like, and, and Shanahan said we maybe brought him back too quickly after injury, like your mate who gets really drunk really early on when you're going out and you say, listen, man, we should probably get you a cab. Do you want to go home? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> about 20 minutes later, falls off, falls off the cliff. That was Jimmy G last week. Uh, yeah, he looked like he didn't want to be out there. Um, and I don't know how much of that was the injury. How much was it? How much of it was the fact that the Dolphins were better than advertised? Mm. He didn't look good. But I tell you what, this San Francisco secondary, oh boy, that looked like one of the worst units in the NFL against Miami they need Richard Sherman back fast Mm. if they want to get anything out of this season he's unlikely to play this week Jimmy G probably will Mm. I I don't know if that's good news for the 49ers or the Rams I think he'll rebound I mean he'll be fine Uh, well his contract his contract is very easy for the 49ers to get out of at the end of this season he is playing for his job from Mm. between now and the end of the season whether the 49ers make the playoffs or not he is fighting for his job in San Francisco, because I really think that if he doesn't, if he doesn't cut it, they will cut him. It's very, very simple. They're not going to be owing him a lot of money. They can move on very easily at the end of this season. So they've got decisions to make. The Rams are going to win. I think it'll be a tough one, but the Rams are going to five and one. I'm taking the Rams. Final game. Quick one line on cards. Cowboys. I am going Dallas. I think Dalton's the best backup in the game right now. Tyron Smith out for the season, obviously, Leo Collins as well. So, so the cards will look at getting to him. 
and the defense is fragile. So I think Kyler makes a bit of hay. This is probably another ton of points game here. It wouldn't surprise me. This went over 60 mm. as well. But I think the Cowboys get the win. Emotional win. And they're still very much in the postseason hunt. Yeah, I'm really disappointed here because I was convinced you were going to go with the Cardinals. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be the contrarian and say uh, the Cowboys. I think yeah, it's got agreed. the Cowboys with Andy Dalton, a.k.a. the far less handsome Jimmy G. He's got some excellent offensive weapons to hand, more than, more than the real Jimmy G does. Arizona looked good at times, but I think this is, this is a Dallas win. And, the, you know, Dallas can win this division even without Andy Dalton at quarterback. Do you know who else has got offensive weapons to hand? Harry, the producer. Different kinds of offensive <laughs> weapons, and he's going to use them on me unless we get out of Dodge here because we're going over time, which is amazing for a podcast, but we managed to do, we managed to do that nevertheless. Stunning. Ben, superb work, and particularly given uh, the fact you're banged up. Uh, he wouldn't have known it for a moment there, apart from oh, a couple of times I saw you would. So many painkillers. So many painkillers. <laughs> nice. Uh, will you go chill out, enjoy the football, enjoy the college this weekend. We, uh, with a little sneak preview, you and I are going to be doing a bit of college stuff coming soon, coming your way through the NC channel, uh, the NC show channel. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that, gang. That's a little hot off the press sneak preview. But looking forward to, to getting to that with you. Looking forward to having you back on the show very soon. Absolutely. Lovely stuff from Ben. And I tell you what, gang, he was, he was toughing it out because I could see on the screen looking at him, there were a few times there where he was, he was hurting. He, and I know what rib injuries can be like and they're not fun, uh, but he was, didn't even blink, Ben. Didn't even, like Carson Wentz in the face of blitz pressure, apparently. He was, uh, he was on point. So great to catch up with him and he'll be back very soon. You can count on that. We're out of dodge. We're back Monday, of course, looking back at all the action from this forthcoming weekend incidentally if you have 30 seconds a minute hop onto the pod catcher you listen to the show on and leave us a review if you can we'd appreciate that it helps helps spread the word helps us with the sponsors helps us with the worldwide leader as well so if you get five seconds well, maybe 30 drop a line on one of the pod channels we would appreciate that at the nc show on social shout out to marley and tom and the boys for rolling that through we'll be back monday we'll see you then bye for now Podcast Network.